Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over-under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of A Hard Style Podcast. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code BACKPACK. PrizePix will match your first deposit up to $100. That's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So, join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play and download the PrizePix app today. Tell podcast episode 216. Dexter Henry Brian Fonseca here. Yes, sir. How is everybody doing? We are officially into March Madness. I guess we, we're officially into March Madness. We're talking about it. We're watching all these games. Conference tournaments passed last week. Selection Sunday was this Sunday. March Madness is officially here. I don't know about you, B. Like, I feel like the older I get. And I feel like our guest is probably not going to rock with me on this, but the older I get, I, I'm not as excited about March Madness the way I used to be. It was it was something oh, in college I'm up this year. What? Yeah. Except, 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 I wasn't going to bring that up. This year has been so crazy in college basketball. Um, and one of the things I kind of, I guess, I like more. People are the opposite on this. I like more about college basketball. It's like I actually like the way the more parity works for the tournament. I think it's actually better for the tournament. It makes it more exciting. And it's not like you're still getting – you're not getting bums winning. There's still good teams that are winning. So I actually kind of like that. But I just – I don't know if it's I'm busier. I don't – I'm not around at 12 o'clock on Thursday to, like, watch the first games a lot of times. Although, actually, this Thursday, maybe for the first time in about five or six years, I will actually be able to watch go. the first tip. So I'm actually kind of going to do that. I'm just going to chill on Thursday and watch the basketball. Yo, here's the thing. I love single elimination tournaments because it's like, yo, enough of this fucking, you know – Oh, we have to see, you know, the absolute superstars in best of seven at the end or whatever. Like, nah, son, who, if you have a bad day to sit, you out. Get the fuck out of here. Like, nah, I like that shit. You know what I mean? And to your point, yes, we don't be getting bums in the finals or whatever. Yeah, There's not yeah. just like we get good teams. We get great stories all the time. And honestly, not the most important part of this, but a noteworthy part of why people deserve to be excited as well is Oh man, gambling is being legal everywhere now. So you know how much money is going to be thrown down over these games? I know our guest is going to feel me on this because he's actually yeah. quite good at what I'm talking about. So like, yo, this this is what it is. That's right? actually like, that's actually interesting in the in the fact that this is probably the year we can see the most legal gambling around the sport that we've important. probably for, yeah. for most people in their lifetimes they've ever seen the same legal game we know gambling was going on before but you know legally uh that we've seen but you hear us we talk in college basketball we haven't talked too much about that on the podcast this season uh, so you guys probably know who's joining us you know who it is he doesn't get enough credit but we give him all the credit it's my man jamal murphy aka the blackologist out here so for all you other outlets out there that you know Got the same people looking the same, breaking down the brackets. They don't look like Murph. They don't look like me. They don't look like Brian. We got Mur- we got Murph here. 
joining us. Murph, what's up, man? What up, what up? Appreciate it. Thank you very yeah. much. Oh, man, we got to let them know. Look look, look at all these college basketball breakdowns and tell me the color of the people you see. Yeah. Come yeah, on. Yeah, you know, I'm yeah, just, I'm just, yeah. I'm just, I'm just, Murph, I'll be looking sometimes and I'm like, damn, ain't nothing changed since 1998. It still looks the same. I'm just saying. But you, you, you're here. You doing good, man? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing good. Can't complain. You know, my favorite time of the year for sure. March. March is here. So let's there go. There you go. Favorite time of year, March Madness is here. Brian uh, has something that he's got to talk about because it's very interesting to me in terms of, I know some of us, we saw the Coach K uh, little skit that uh, Bomani Jones did on his new show, Game Theory. And, you know, you see Murphy rocking the Georgetown hat. If you rock the Georgetown hat, that generally means you probably don't have love for Coach K. Maybe not the kind of coach that you would rock with. I think that's a fair assumption. It's not the kind of coach you rock with. To which Brian has a question, which I'm going to just let him take because he said this is an interesting question he wants to ask the people. So go ahead, Brian. I don't know if this happens to y'all, but every time this has happened probably for about, I don't know, five years or so to me, at least every time we get to this time of year, I'm like, I start I start getting the the bug to like look for like college hoops, 2K8, NCAA basketball, 10. You know, I still have a couple games, so I'll pop one in, maybe do a little tournament, maybe do a little dynasty if I got time or whatever the case may be, right? So as I'm playing this out, because I was actually playing some last night uh, as I was watching, like, the A-10 championship, the American championship, um, and SEC championship. And I was I was watching these games and playing uh, uh, College Hoops 2K. I was thinking, like, yo, what kind of coach would I be, Right. And I was kind of thinking this in the, in the, from the standpoint of like bringing this up on the podcast because uh, I know what y'all think I'm going to say in terms of I know like what the projections would be in terms of what kind of coach. So I'm curious, Murph especially, right? Because Murph, I could see you legitimately coaching. I don't know if you thought about this at some point in your life going in that direction. But like I'm curious as to what kind of players y'all would recruit. What kind of players would y'all scout? What kind of players would y'all try to develop? If you would be the type of coach that had a system that you would try to fit players in, or would you try to just get, you know, players and then just figure it out from there? Like, I'm, I'm curious as to what y'all coaching styles would be, because they actually do have this in, in some of the games where you get to pick a coaching style and all those sorts of things. I, I, I will let Murph uh, lead off. I think it's a very good question, though, although I think it's very predictable what kind of coach you would be and who you'd recruit. But I think it's a, re- I think it's a really good question. <laughs> and Brian, Brian, you're laughing because you know it's true. You know whatever I describe yeah, about who you think is going to be it. Give me a name. Who's my who's my comparison? What kind of coach? Like a coach? I, that a coach that compares to you? Yeah, you, might, you could be like a younger Frank Martin. You could be like oh, that. <laughs> I, can see, I can see that. He, he's very fiery. He's very fiery. And very fiery. You know what I'm saying? I can see I, that. Like I, I don't, but I don't think I'd be like. See, here's the thing. I've said this. Like I, I, I don't think there I could coach. Go. I don't think I could coach kids. You know what I mean? Like I don't think I could do it. But, but I don't think I'd be yelling at people like that. You know what I mean? I don't think I'd be screaming at at people in in the way that y'all think. <laughs> I really don't. I really don't. Just, okay. just, ref, just refs. It's okay. Just refs. Maybe. You know what I mean? Maybe. Yeah, I, I'm, you not, know? I'm, I'm not. I probably get it. Place. I probably will get into it with other coaches if their kids are like, you know, beating the shit out of my kids and be like, no, nah, son. That, that, yeah, you, I, you, I'm a protective person when it comes to my people. All right. You're going to be doing the Jawan Howard on the handshake line. Oh, that's that's oh, how it's going to be. Yeah. You're going to be doing the Jawan Howard might, on the handshake might be, line. You might be Jawan Howard. <laughs> 
snuffing people in the in the. I, I, I have to think table. about this a little bit more. <laughs> All right, but Murph, what kind of what kind of coach would do you think you would be, or how would you recruit? That's a good question, by Brian, that I haven't thought about. So, okay. Well, I, I actually coached high school JV. I coached at Poly Prep for like three or four years, and I was the assistant on the varsity. Uh, as a head coach, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a laid laid back guy. Um, but I always have like a couple fiery assistants, you know what I'm saying, to, to do all to do the dirty work. I'll scream, I'll scream if I have to. Um, but in terms of like philosophy, what kind of people I would I would recruit, um, you know, de- like I want I want athletic, smart kids. Like, you know, I want I want kids with high basketball IQ. I need a very unselfish team. I need guys who love who like who love to pass, not just will, will pass because because you you tell them to. I want I want a true unselfish team. And it starts with defense. Like, I don't care on whatever level, we gotta we gotta dig dig in, grind, and play defense. That's how I was as a as a JV coach. I'm constantly just talking about whatever you know. Next play, I don't care what happens to offense. We gotta get a stop and a rebound. Stop and a rebound. I'm screaming that all game. So I'm one of those coaches, old school. It starts with defense and rebounding, and then uh, offense. I just want unselfishness on on the offensive end. As far as personality wise. I'd probably kind of be a play, player's coach, um, but that, but not afraid to let people know the real. You know what I'm saying? Like if you if you garbage, if you playing like trash, I'm I, you know I have to tell you at that time. Or, or <laughs> I mean, it's just no like I'm not gonna not gonna go around it. Like you got to know the the real because as a player, you appreciate that from a coach um, telling you what it is. And even you know, I'm sure we all heard this as a player. Um, you when when the coach is, is screaming on you, that kind of means he cares about you. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. For the it most took part, took me a while to understand yeah. that. But yep. it's the co- it's it's when the coach not saying nothing to you, then you should be worried that he yeah, don't he don't give worried. he don't yeah. give a, a shit about you really. So yeah, um, that's that that would be my philosophy for the most part. I yeah, I I could rock with that. Uh, I think for me, yeah, I think it's funny. I think your coaching philosophy is probably influenced a lot by like who you played for, how you played, you know, no matter what level. Um, I played for two different coaches in high school. I, I'm more of a laid-back guy in my personality, but like Murph, I believe in defense first. That's how I was coached. Uh, you got to bring effort on defense. If you don't play, bring effort on defense, you can sit your ass on the bench. You're not playing for me. That's not happening. You are going right to the bench, okay? Other thing I will not tolerate. I cannot tolerate. If I'm having a team, I like motion offense. I like unselfishness. But point guard... And B, I know you're gonna love this about this position. Point guard, gotta be able to shoot and hit free throws. You can't shoot or hit free throws. You're gonna sit your ass on the bench. True. There's gonna be a lot of that with me. You keeping it real. You don't do this. Sit your ass on the bench. I'm a player's coach. I think Brian will notice in me a lot of like watching me, having led a group of students with workers in high school. I'm very yeah. about make mistakes. I'm about learning. I believe in learning through different situations. I believe in that. Uh, in terms of you, you would definitely hold your timeouts. You would definitely let your kids play through it a little more. I would, yeah, that I would, I would, I would. I, I definitely would. I definitely am a like we're gonna hold timeouts unless it gets too bad. I'm, yeah. I, I, I feel like Murph could probably, and I think both of you guys are giving this in high school basketball, whatever level you're playing. Sometimes you need to feel how a run feels on both sides, whether it's offense or defense. So for me, it's like sometimes you need to know how it feels when you can't get stops and like come back later and then talk like, yo, how was that? What did you do wrong? How do you let it build that much? Why you can't let that happen at home, bro, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, I like, listen, I like, I like, I'm with Murph on this. High IQ, that matters. You're stupid, you're not going to play. 
Simple right. as that. We can't we can't be having that. You can't be making up states. High basketball IQ. I'm not going to be the person that says I value that over talent, athleticism, because you know there's people that buy into that for certain kinds of people in basketball. Like, oh, they're high IQ guys. You're not going to do that. Um, I, I, I want that, but you got to play smart. You got to play hard. You got to have skill, and you got to be ready to work. That's it for me. I'm not. Listen, I'm, I know Brian. You want to get the underdogs and the all stars. We got to have some stars playing with Dexter Henry. You can't play. <laughs> you can't be playing with Dexter Henry if you don't if you don't believe in yourself as a star. You might not be a star. I can respect that, but you got to believe in yourself like a star. Oh no, I'm with you 100%. Okay. Okay. So that's my thing. Yeah. No, no. no. Like, go ahead. I want to hear what you got to say. No, because like I no, I agree. Like you you I'm not saying like I wouldn't need a star necessarily, but like you but I would want like people who have certain personalities obviously right like my <laughs> Which point guard listen, personality my point guard especially and i know this have been my point guard needs to be a motherfucker you understand what i'm saying like my point guard needs to be defense first pass the ball shoot be able to shoot i don't need them to get 15 20 whatever points a game or whatever the case may be just like 10 will be good uh and a good amount of assists obviously you know a Ideally, not many turnovers, but I would want somebody who's going to be defensive oriented, set the tone. Because if you're the point guard, you're you're for me, that's the most important position. And from there, we can figure it out. I prefer more shooting than not. I don't need everyone to be jacking threes all the time, but I would like mm-hmm. at least you know a couple good shooters. I'd prefer that one of my bigs can get out and stretch the floor even to the mid range area, just because like when I was uh, playing video games back in the day, or when I was playing actual basketball back in the day. I preferred as a point guard if we had, along with me, at least three of the four other guys that could stretch the floor. If we have one guy that couldn't, that's fine. Ideally, that would be the center. That would be somebody getting dirty work. And I just want people who have that dog personality, baby. Like, I don't care if people, I don't care if people think that grit and grind doesn't work or can't win, whatever the case may be. Like, yo, either we're going to beat your ass or you're going to fucking hate trying to beat our ass. That's it. You know what I mean? Like, and I feel like I feel like that's something that you would expect me to say. But look, I mean, I am what I am. You know. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad you know who you are. What kind of coach you be? That's, that's defense that's first. I want to echo that too because y'all made that point. Yes. De- look, yeah, that's, you, that's with me. Yeah, defense first. I don't care if the final score is 48 46. All right, yeah. I'm taking W. I prefer I, not because I actually do like to get out and run. But you know. Yeah, no, 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 giving up uncontested layups. Not, nothing worse. Well, yeah, that. No, 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 not that, no. not that. And, and, and if you're gonna foul, foul fucking hard. Oh, I don't want yeah. you giving up. I don't yeah. want you giving up just the easy, you know, layup or whatever the case may be. If yeah, you're I'm, going I'm, to I'm foul, don't give up the M one. Yeah, know? I'm old. I'm old school on that too. I agree. I can remember some ugly games in high school that were won. That yeah, Murph. You might have won some ugly games. You didn't score. Brian, you know about this too. But you locked somebody up and you knew it was tough. Man, them wins felt good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Shooting guard from St. Demetrius. I remember this shit. <laughs> this motherfucker came into the game I mean, averaging like 20-something against us. And I was like, yo, I'm face guarding him the whole fucking game. All right? Yep. And we ended up winning by a good I amount. so see you doing this. I can see it. <laughs> I can see it. All right, before we get before we get into the tournament, speak, speaking of coaching, Man, in college world, Murph, a lot of coaching carousel craziness. A lot of coaches moving around, moving about already, even though the regular season just ended. Is this shocking to you? you think there'll be some more big names on the move? Obviously, 
Coach K leaving Duke, who we all love? Mm-hmm. Uh, is there going to be some more big names on the move? What do you think about what's been going on? I mean, you know, it seems like a regular cycle. I mean, every year there's turnover. Whatever programs don't do well, uh, there are going to be changes, especially if there haven't been changes in a couple of years. A lot of these, you know, like South Carolina, uh, uh, Frank Martin has been there 10 years. Uh, White in Florida, same kind of deal. He'd been there a while. It didn't didn't have enough success. So, yeah, there's going to be turnover in these places. Uh, and you can expect some more, too. I'm not sure from where exactly right now, but, you know, look for any any team that gets upset. You, you might have to start looking around, mm. uh, a, la, a la Shaka Smart last year. Remember, he was at Texas. People thought he got off the bubble because he got them a three seed. Then they go down. Uh, in an upset in the first round, and not, he wasn't fired. <clears throat> he wasn't fired, but uh, he saw the writing on the wall and and, and took a job, took a better job for himself. So that kind of thing is going to continue. Yeah, we could de- we could definitely see that. I okay. also wanted to ask, yeah. Murph, what do you think? Because we mentioned this in the chat earlier, but there are some really good, interesting opens in terms of like names and big conferences and things like that. Florida, we talked about. South Carolina, Maryland, Missouri, LSU, Louisville, Kansas State. There are some others, and there are probably going to be others that pop up, especially in the mid-majors. But, like, I don't know. Are there some names, programs? Like, what should we be, like, really looking at as some of these positions get filled out, and what should we uh, expect? Well, I, th- I think you got to wait till after the tournament to see what, you know, what coaches are really available. Um, but I really like that LSU job. I mean, I mean, LSU always has talent, football and basketball. And there's, it's no different this year. Their basketball team, they were six seed in the tournament. Of course, they had Will Wade as their coach, and it was a it was a miracle he lasted that long after he was part of that FBI probe and he was caught on tape on FBI wiretap saying, you know, making offers, uh, you know, telling telling his minions to to give such and such player a strong ass offer. And he was able to coach two years after that, while some of those assistant coaches are you know are doing time. Uh, for those transgressions. So, um, you know, that, as an aside, it's wild that w- that Will Wade is just now uh, being let go. But, said, you know, having said that, LSU, you know, just a hotbed of talent. So I'll be interested to see who goes there. You mentioned South Carolina. And, and I had mentioned to you before that, you know, uh, Oklahoma State coach Mike Boynton, who's a Brooklyn guy and uh, uh, played at Lachlan, he played at South Carolina. And I remember there was talk of him before he signed, he re-signed with Oklahoma State uh, last year. There was talk of him maybe uh, being, being interested in that South Carolina job. I'm not sure if that's the case. I know he's, he, you know, I spoke to him last year and he seemed very loyal uh, to the Oklahoma State uh, AD. So I doubt he leaves there uh, having, you know, just signed an extension, but he's a name that might get floated around. I even heard his name floated around for Georgetown and that's not even an open spot yet. So we'll see. It very going to be very interesting this uh, off season uh, for college. Okay, let's get to the tournament after Selection Sunday. You know what always comes up. All right, did the committee get this right? Did they did they mess it up? Uh, do you think the committee got this right with the sixty eight teams that were selected on Sunday, Murph, or did they mess it up? I think they messed it up, man. Oh. And, then, and, that it, and and just the, just around the periphery and the edges. I mean, they you know, it's it's almost impossible to mess up the tournament because everybody knows, you know, it gets to a point where everybody there's there's pretty much agreement on what teams are going to make the tournament. You know, about there's agreement to about sixty five teams every year. 
where everybody knows 65 teams deserve it. And there's like three or four or eight teams vying for three or four spots, right? Every year. That's how it works. And I think they messed that up this year. I think, uh, I mean, it, to me, it was egregious uh, to to let Notre Dame, to give Notre Dame a spot in the tournament. They did get, they were the last team selected. But I think, you know, Notre, Notre Dame was the, remember, they were second, they finished second in the ACC. So I think that was it. I think that uh, people, and we talked about this off air, about how the ACC was down this year. Right. But I don't, but you could tell that the committee wasn't so much in touch with that. They were, I think they were thinking that this is the 1995 ACC or something like that, you know, that, that was strong. And you, they hear the name Notre Dame and they're like, oh, they came in second. Oh, they have to be in. What, what are we talking about? But if you look closely, they were, their resume was completely bare. And the team that got left out was, to me, that was most egregious was, was Texas A&M with coach Buzz Peterson. Now, Notre Dame, like I said, they were second in the ACC. So everybody's like, oh, what are, you, what are you talking about? They have to be in, right? I mean, it's the ACC. But remember, uh, leagues don't play round robins anymore. The ACC is one of those leagues that doesn't uh, – each team doesn't play every other team in the league twice. So they only played Duke once at home, didn't do anything with that. Duke beat them pretty easily at home. Notre Dame had that had one one really good win supposedly, which was a home game, which is a home win versus Kentucky. And you constantly hear people saying, "Oh, they beat Kentucky. They beat Kentucky at home." Uh, let's you know, uh, okay, they won a home game versus Kentucky, and their only other good win was an was an away game at Miami, who's a ten seed. But look at Texas A and M, who gets left out. All their all their computer numbers were better than Notre Dame. All right. They beat Notre Dame on a neutral court. OK, and if you if you want to ignore that, OK, ignore that. Texas A&M beat Arkansas, who's a four seed in, in the tournament now. They beat Arkansas on a neutral court and and uh, at home. They beat um, they beat Auburn on a neutral court, which is a two seed. OK, and they beat Alabama at Alabama, which is a six seed. So that's like three times as much as Notre Dame did. So I think I really do think it was egregious to uh, to snub uh, Texas A&M like that and and let Notre Dame in. I also think Wyoming is a yeah. is a bit uh, shaky as an at large team. Uh, they had a similar resume to Notre Dame. They 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 played really well in their conference, but even which is which is the Mountain West Conference with San Diego State and Boise State, who are very good teams this year. They're in the field, uh, but they beat they only beat. Uh, they only won two uh, home games against Colorado State and I believe Boise State. So it's not mm-hmm. even like they had they went on the road and had any big wins either. And I think Texas A&M had a better resume than them, and so did probably Oklahoma. And I, you know, maybe maybe for uh, Wyoming's case, maybe they wanted to get a lesser known team in there, uh, you know, from a, from a different conference. But then at the same time, you put Notre Dame in presumably just because they're from the ACC. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then I think the ACC as a whole, they kind of just glossed over the fact that, that they weren't that good this year. And they, they overseeded a couple of ACC teams, including Duke as a two seed. And where, I predict- where, where, where would you have put him, Murph? Where I would mean, you put Duke? When I, I was predicting what the tournament would do, I, I had him as a two seed because I felt like the, they would, they would oversee them. So it wasn't a surprise, hmm. but I think, you know, Tennessee had a better resume. Tennessee could have been the two seed. Wisconsin had a better resume than Duke, and there might have been a, and, and Auburn was, was probably has a better resume than Duke to tell you the truth. Um, but you know, Duke Duke is Duke. North Carolina 
who really who I had as a 10 seed, they get an eight seed. Uh, you know, partly I guess ACC, partly because they they're North Carolina. So I think you know we always talk about diversity in different areas of sports, and what you have hmm. with the selection committee is a, is probably even worse in terms of if you look at the usual makeup of that. You're dealing with all athletic directors and administrators. They're mostly white and older. And I think, you know, I, I think we got to get some diversity in that room much more often. That's, yeah. a, that's interesting. I also thought like some teams, because you listed some examples, but I thought there was one point that I heard somebody make, and I don't remember who it was, that I agree with, where it felt like the conference tournaments or the results of such weren't really valued like that in terms yeah. of seeding. Like you would have thought that some of the tournament winners – uh, like Virginia Tech may have gotten a better seed. And then I also thought like some teams like Illinois being a four was one that was shocking to me, though they didn't have a great loss in the Big Ten tournament. I thought that they would have been at least like a three. So that was a little surprising to me. So what did you think overall about like the seeding for some of those teams? And like, because you make the point about the lack of diversity in the room. And I think there's also just not really valuing some of these postseason tournaments that we saw. Or valuing them in the case of like an Illinois too much. Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing with with the conference tournaments is, and this has happened for years. And like when I do my bracketology uh, and, and try to predict the field, I take it into account. When those those uh, conference tournaments where they have the championship on Sunday, the committee has historically ignored them. Okay, so it's it, they go into it they, it's like it's as if they have them seated you know saturday they get everything done saturday and and you know like i said these are rich older white guys and do they really want to put that time in on on that sunday i don't know you know they want it's not, it, the way it comes across is like they just want to get it over with and they make their decision saturday night and they're like hey man whatever happens sunday we're not even going to account for that john calipari has been screaming about that for years because he he oftentimes wins the sec tournament and he has the same seed as if as if that game didn't, you know, didn't even happen. So that's what happened this year with Tennessee. Like I said, Tennessee, in you know, in actuality, in their resume, they should have been a two seed. They, they had they were a much more impressive resume than Duke, for instance. But part of what made that is the fact that they win they won the SEC tournament, which was hard to do. The SEC is one of the best uh, leagues uh, in the nation this year, and and even when I'm was predicting the field. I, I acted as if that didn't happen either. So I just kept them as a three seed and that's what they ended up being. And I think the same thing for Houston, uh, you know, Houston, Memphis in the, in the American. Right. Uh, I think they had, they had what a five seed. I don't, I don't think it mattered whether they were going to beat Memphis or not say and Memphis, it didn't matter if you want to lose, they were going to get that nine seed. So I think it's a question of when those tournaments are played. And that's the reason. Remember, ACC used to play their championship on Sundays. I think the Biggies did also. And they and they intentionally moved it up a day to Saturday because of that. And I think if the mm. SEC wants, wants their tournament to mean something, they're going to have to move that away from Sunday. I was wondering if that's something that they would eventually do. Would they move it away from Sunday? Because you're right. Cal Perry's been screaming about that for years. And it's a, you know, maybe I'm thinking about that too. Maybe everybody just moved away. Maybe no more Sunday games and we just wait till selection Sunday, have it. You got all the information before. Cause like you said, these uh older dudes who are too lazy to factor in the games that might end at uh 4 30 or 5 o'clock before 6 Eastern. They're too lazy to do that. So who knows? All right, moving on. Now we look at this bracket. You know, people got jerked. Some people, you know, got hooked up. 
Uh, who are the sleepers? Which teams are dangerous? Are people still looking to fill out their bracket before Thursday starts? Because I'm not really going to count the first four. But although you junkies are going to be betting on that. Uh, hey, <laughs> didn't didn't VCU make it to the final four that, from that, like you know out of, out of the first four? Don't dis- with, with you know Joey don't Rodriguez, you know don't. Puerto Rico's finest yeah, as a people. point guard on that team. You know what I'm saying? He's a coach yeah. now. Yeah, um, not yeah, yeah. So you know what? Don't listen to me. Don't discount that first four. Who are <laughs> who do you think are the sleepers, Murph, uh, in this tournament? What are some teams you think that are absolutely dangerous? can make a run. And when I say make a run, at least get into the Sweet 16. You yes. know, not just some one-day f- first-round upset. They get out the first make week. Some noise. Get out the first week. Yeah, there we go. Get out the first week, like Brian said, can actually make some noise here. Who's some sleepers you got? All right. Well, I got, well, one who, I you know, is kind of like one of those sleepers to win a first-round game that, you know, could potentially get to a Sweet 16, I think, is Chattanooga. And unfortunately for oh, Brian, they play, they play <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> Uh, and and the problem is Illinois, man, is as you know they've been inconsistent. They the haven't been 100. Carbello, <laughs> Carbello has, has not been 100 all season. Nope. Yeah. Uh, and and that's kind of showed. Uh, so they've they've been up and down. They're very very talented. They could go the other way for them too. They they could be a Final Four team, but yeah. they're hard to trust. And Chattanooga is a team from you know from a smaller conference that they kind of when you watch them on TV they they look like a big conference team in terms of you know they're big they're long they're athletic they're strong they're old so and they you know they've won a lot of games this year they're very confident so I would worry about Chattanooga I think Marquette uh, is a team that's slept on I think they I had them as a 7 seed they they get a 9 seed in here you know they actually won seven straight games in the middle of the season in the Big East the Big East was a grind this year for everybody I mean, it was an old physical league. I think Marquette is going to be so happy to get out of the Big East and play some other teams. Uh, they start with North Carolina, who, of course, you know, that's a brand name team they're playing. So, you know, for all the betters out there, if you're looking for value, Marquette is a good value at plus three. Uh, because when you look at their resume, you know, they've, they've done a lot more than North Carolina has this year. They've beaten better teams than North Carolina has this year. They swept Villanova. They swept Seton Hall. They had some other big out of conference wins. North Carolina only, you know, their 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 really only really good win was at Duke this year. We know when that happened, in Coach K's last game. I know a lot of people were either crying or very happy about that. That that kind of tore the nation. In, in Me half. and Dexter enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if any I don't know if anybody enjoyed it more than I. I, I, I got Gerard Hector. That man enjoyed oh, yeah. that. Oh, man. Uh, he enjoyed that. Yeah. Wait, let me let me ask you, Murph, because now mm-hmm. that I also pull up the bracket. I kind of want, like, just to throw you a little bit of rapid yeah. fire here. Okay. you think Michigan State could beat Duke in the second round? Yes, yes. In fact, you know, I filled out a bracket quickly uh, last night when it came out. I'll probably change some things, but but I'm on this first bracket I filled out, I have Michigan State beating Duke. And it's not mm. because, really, Michigan State has not been great this year. And I don't think they're, you know, I don't th- I think they're a – they're a average to solid team, but they're very tough. You know, they played in the tough Big Ten, which is similar to the Big East in terms of physicality. Um, so they're very physical. Uh, Izzo, obviously, very experienced in the tournament. So you and they're you know they're not going to back down anybody. And when and you know I, I was front and center for watching Duke uh, in the ACC tournament in Brooklyn that just that just finished. I watched them very closely. I watched them during a the year on TV. I mean, Brook. I mean. Duke's problem is they're they're very they're kind of a passive team. 
they're fresh. They have tremendous talent, especially with Ben Caro and and AJ Griffin. But but neither one of them is is a is a naturally aggressive yeah player. Yeah. Um, they kind of let the game come to them. They can be passive. They can some some nights some nights they don't even show up. You know, so um, they're not. They don't get to 50-50 balls. They're not to dive on the on the floor. Are you team. not a believer in Duke? Like, is yeah, this, not is a, this we? Because yeah. if we're talking about sleepers, are you also saying Duke's prime for an upset? Kind no, of Duke, like Duke is. I mean, if you've been watching, I guess you know a lot of people don't. But I mean, if you've been watching, Duke is prime. If you don't think Duke is prime for an upset, you haven't been watching uh, because they, they they started the year off strong. Um, you know, they beat Gonzaga and they beat Kentucky the first game of the year. They beat Kentucky. They beat Gonzaga. You know, first couple of weeks of the season, but once ACC started, we talked. We have already talked about the ACC being weak this year. Yeah, Duke Duke won the ACC, but they didn't dominate. They lost to teams that didn't even make the tournament. They lost. You know, Florida State had a terrible year, but they went up to Duke and won. Uh, Miami went into Duke and won. Yeah, uh, Virginia Tech has no business beating Duke. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, and, and and Murph, to your point, like this, this is not. It may, this is not to me, and I, I said this was going to be quick. Evidently not, because we got to we got to shit on Duke right fast. To me, even <laughs> though this is like a highly ranked Duke team, this doesn't feel like a great Duke team to me. Like I, I don't agree. think this team not. at all is better than the Zion Williamson, R.J. No. Barrett, Cam Reddish Duke team from a couple of years ago that no. got popped in what the Elite Eight, I think it was. So yeah. no, yeah, they're not I don't as good as that. They're not as good as that team. And the the thing is. They they're they might be as talented as you know in terms of raw talent, but they don't have that mentality yet. And mm. you know, and and when you had guys like Zion and particularly RJ Barrett, you know, who's a freshman, but he was anything but passive. Okay. <laughs> you know, he, he, he had Zion on his he had Zion on his team and he and he swore he was the man. You know what I'm saying? He you know, so and now you kind of want that mentality in a guy like Van Caro. You know, mm. you, you wish mm. Ben Carroll had that mentality because he <laughs> would be he would be dominating if he had that mentality. And the one one thing to think, you know, like I said, they played well in the beginning of the season. But as this Coach K last year pressure has mounted towards the Ooh. end of the season, Ooh. and we see they weren't they didn't really handle it well uh in Coach K's last game at Duke. And then they had a chance to redeem themselves. You know, that's what that's what the talk was once they got to the ACC final. Like oh here you know now we, we they have a chance to win uh, the ACC tournament in Coach K's last season can they do it and again they laid another egg and I don't want to take too much away from Virginia Tech they Virginia Virginia Tech plays very very hard they're very fundamentally sound but they they played harder they played harder than Duke in that game and they you know Duke missed free throws Duke's going you know making dumb turnovers on the break so I I just don't feel like they have the makeup of a team that's going to go far. I don't see it. Let me give, let me give you a couple more. Yeah, I was, I was, I was, no, 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 I wanted you to fire some more at him. And I also, yeah. Murph, I also keep bringing it with the teams that you think, you know, people might be high on, like the Duke, or overrated too, besides the sleepers. Who's overrated as prime for upset? But go ahead, Brian, keep keep firing some more. Yeah. Who's the weakest one seed that you could most Hell, see get popped, get, to, to lean into Dexter's point, who's the weakest one seed that you could most see get popped this first week? Like yeah, in the second I'm, round. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm into. I like this. See, it's a tricky question because I think there's so much parity in this year's uh, NCAA tournament, this year's college basketball, that it wouldn't really surprise me if any of the one seeds went down in like in the second round or easily the Sweet Sixteen. But the second round, it wouldn't. I don't think I'd be surprised by any of them 
No, like I wouldn't. I would definitely not be shocked. But when I look at the at the weakest, it's really surprising because the Big Twelve was was very good this Ooh, year. As yes, usual. but I see both Big Twelve uh, one seeds as as kind of weak because they're not what they were. Like Baylor, Baylor had a great. Um, you know, had a great season. Remember, they were dominant last year, won the national championship. They come back with a really completely different team for the most part in terms of their leaders. But, you know, and they, and they had – they won more probably more big games than any other team in the country, but right. they lost multiple players to injury. Okay, they lost – they've lost two of their best players to injury. So they've been kind of like winning with patchwork, winning on toughness. But, but they lost to the first round uh, Big 12 tournament game to Oklahoma, who's not even in the field. Okay, so they can they can be beaten. They're not the same team as last year, and yes, they. Sh- I'm, I don't have a problem with, with them being rewarded a one seed because of their body of work during the regular season. But they come into the tournament kind of shaky and not all that strong, in my opinion. And Kansas, who has had a, another very good year, Bill Self is you know one of the best coaches ever. He's a Hall of Famer, and he he did a Hall of Fame job with this team. But when you look at his pieces, this is not a, a normal Kansas team that has all these pros. You know, he doesn't have he doesn't have like a like a true, true, uh, solid NBA player that I you know, there, there might be a guy or two that will make the NBA, but he doesn't have a nowhere close to an NBA star on this on this team. Um, I think, you know, the right team, if you play with toughness and you play fundamentally sound, you can beat Kansas, too. So I, I would go with Baylor and Kansas. I you know, what's funny is that, as you mentioned that, like I could totally see I may have even picked this for one of my brackets. I got to go back mm. and look. I could totally see Marquette beating Baylor in the second round. Totally yeah, see they could, they could beat them. Like just in terms of, you're definitely you know, going to put that in one of your brackets for sure. I, I, I did, yeah. Did I put it? <laughs> Is it yeah. like he's like I didn't? I didn't put it in my initial bra- bracket. Even if Baylor gets by, that's going to be a war. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, I mean, just physic physicality wise, physically, they could they could match up with Baylor. They're just a little younger. You know, Marquette is kind of a young team. They got a they got, they got a senior point guard uh, who's solid, but they're kind of a young team overall. But a young and very talented and physical team, so they could do it. I do want to ask something, Murph, in in that realm around the one seed, and you kind of touched upon this with Duke, right? With Coach K retiring and this being his last tournament, who has the most pressure? Is it Duke because of that? Is it Gonzaga? Because they've knocked on the door for so many years. They've got Chet Holgram. They've got this player. Who has the most pressure in the tournament? You know, single game elimination. Brian B talked about all the pressure that everybody faces. But the pressure ain't the same for everybody, right? It's Mm -hmm. different with different levels of stuff. What team do you think has the most pressure? I would, You know, the two you mentioned, I I think Duke has that pressure. I mean, everywhere they go. I mean, you think... Think about it. And I'm just thinking about this for the first time right now that you asked this question. I mean, I just talked about, you know, they they wilted under the pressure of of Coach K's last home game. Right. And, and there was there was legitimate pressure there. Right. No right. question about it. Yeah. Then they they wilted under the pressure of of his last ACC tournament uh, chance to win, you know, in his last season. OK, there was you know, some amount of pressure with that. There's not going to be any more pressure than 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 you actually could be playing Coach K's last game. Period. In in <laughs> every game, every yeah, game, that is, every right? game, every game in a tournament where you know you know how to see you know how it is. Like you got all these eyes coming in who don't really watch college basketball, who just think Duke is Duke, and you know they're <laughs> supposed to be in the Final Four. 
okay. And and they do have the talent. They do. They are talented enough to to get there. I'm not saying I wouldn't be shocked if they got to the Final Four if they actually put it together and they just you know came out and played inspired basketball. Um, but that they haven't shown, or, you know, previously that they can deal with this pressure. And it only adds. It only gets the pressure. Only builds. You know, when this is the high, these are the highest stakes that they've been in this NCAA tournament. So yeah, I think. Duke has probably the most pressure because of the situation with Coach K, and that's what the media is going to focus on. And I agree with you also on Gonzaga, where maybe the maybe that pressure falls more on the coach uh, few, yeah. even though even though to be honest, Gonzaga really Gonzaga's is uh, is apologizing for getting to you know multiple Final Fours in the last few years and getting to a championship game or getting to two championship games. I mean they're they're here like, and they get they get McDonald they have like. McDonald's All Americans coming off their bench, you know what I'm saying? Like that, and they, play, and they always they yeah. always play a tough schedule. Yeah. They always play a tough they knockoff. They always play schedule. a tough schedule, yeah. and they, like mm-hmm. I said, they usually produce in the tournament by getting at least to the final eight or the final four championship game. Last, you know, two of the, two out of the last what four years or something like that. Yeah. So, um, but you know, I think there is you know there's media created pressure on them, um, which which could affect few, and I and, it, and I'm sure it seeps down to the players. We know Chet Holmgren. He's a one and done guy. He's yeah. you know this is this is his one chance. Will he put too much pressure on himself? He kind of did that in the beginning of the season, but he's but he's gotten better and better as the season has gone on. So I think those teams have a lot of pressure. You know, a team like Auburn, who who was who was a number one number one in the nation during the season, has kind of slipped off a little bit. I think the pressure has gotten to them. I could see them. I could see it being a little too much for them uh, once the tournament starts. But I think those three teams really. Uh, and Kentucky always has all kind of pressure on. on I wanted to ask about them know? because I think I think do you think Murray State could beat them in round two? Mm, mm, not really. <laughs> you know, I, it, can can it happen? Of course, right? Anything, anything can happen. Anything, anything can happen. And and Murray State is a very good team, a very good team. I think they've won like twenty eight straight games or something like that. Yeah, they're like thirty um, and two. Yeah, they're thirty. They're thirty and two. Obviously, they're not playing that kind of competition. They beat Memphis when Memphis was was kind of a mess during the whole. I think that was right around the time when Penny Hardaway screamed on everybody, talking about "Don't play me, bro." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but um, but they're a good team. Could they do it? Yes. But but here's the thing about Kentucky. I think Kentucky. I think they're a little overrated, but mm. they are very very solid. They've been very solid this year. They they are they have not been losing. They don't. This year they haven't lost the teams that they're supposed to beat. Okay, that's not that hasn't been their problem this year. You know they like they take care of business. They're like a they're 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 kind of a workmanlike team. They don't have they have they don't have a tr- like a true star. Ty sure. Ty Washington hasn't really broken out to that extent, mm-hmm. and everybody else is kind of like transfers that are solid. They do their job, and they and they usually do do their job. Their problem is. There's, I don't, I don't like their ceiling. I don't think that I don't really think they are a national championship team. Mm. Um, I think when they play, if they played Gonzaga, I think Gonzaga would beat them. I think UCLA could beat them. I think Purdue mm. could beat them, but I don't think a lesser team can beat them. And I, like a team with lesser talent, I don't think Murray State's going to beat them. Uh, how is Purdue a team I should look at in terms of being able to make a run? Because I love their point guard Ivy. He's Jason really Ivey's dope. Yeah. I think he's really good. I think he's got really good uh, pro prospect game. Do you think they're a team, or do they not have enough beside him to make a run? 
They have enough beside him, but but offensively, they're like a they're a great offensive team, but they don't play defense, which is a which is surprising from a Purdue team. Usually, Purdue is known for their defense, and this yeah. year, I think that you know that they were like a plus one hundred team, you know, ranked one hundred uh, team defensively in the nation, and no. I don't think any team with that that poor defensive rating has made the Final Four in like the past, mm. you know, 10, 10 years at least. I think in like the lowest someone has been, I think, is in the forties in defense to make and to make it to the Final Four. So I think that you know they have too many holes defensively. They try to outscore people. I do love Jay Nivey also. Also, he is great, um, but he's a little. He can be undisciplined. He can be. He can try to do too much athletically. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but they do have but. But he does have help offensively. They have a lot of guys that can hurt you offensively. So I think they're the type of team who, any you know, any given day, they, they could beat anybody. They could beat and play with anybody. They could make it to the Final Four, but they got to show up their defense, and they haven't done that all year. We will see. You got some more rapid ones for him, Brian? They're, they're actually they're more player centric, so let's get on to that part. Yeah, let's, let's, let's go on to that. Okay. Be, before we make yeah. Final Four picks, which we're all going to do at the end of this, we do need to talk about some of the players who could potentially break out or not, because I do find it interesting not to harp on Duke here. Paolo Boncaro, like in terms of players, individual players who have some pressure, I think that he's somebody that does. Um, Jaden Ivey, I don't know how much pressure he totally has. I think he's actually been better than a lot of people or a lot of casual observers probably uh, predicted. Uh, Jabari Smith, I mean, after that ending in the SEC tournament, you know what I mean? Like, we'll sort of see. Uh, I don't think Miami could beat them if they beat USC, but Miami's had some interesting wins this year that makes me think that they're pretty dangerous. So you mentioned Auburn is going to be under some pressure, so I think that's an interesting route to go. But in terms of players who can help or potentially hurt their draft stock, uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I, I got these all those guys circled uh, in terms of, like, breakout type players for this tournament because let's be honest like like i mentioned a couple times like not everybody's watching college basketball so any so pretty much all college stars this is their breakout moment in the ncaa tournament this is their make or break moment guys get guys think about how much stock how their stock can rise and fall just from the ncaa tournament i know you know teams swear they have you know the the scouts are watching everything we're going every game we know about these kids but all i know is every year I see guys who play well in the NCAA tournament and their stock will jump like crazy. So, yeah. it's, so it really does come down to how you do an NCAA tournament. I guess part of it is like dealing with the pressure and all that, but yeah, Jabari Smith, I don't really look at it as pressure for, for these young guys, even, even a Ben Carroll, like, yeah, he could be feeling that individual pressure, um, you know, of, of trying to do it for coach K or, or pressure to win because I'm at Duke, but you know, this is just the beginning for him. You know what I mean? Like, no matter what, he's going to be a top three pick. And, you know, he's going to have a whole new set of, of of more pressure. So, really, is there really pressure on him? He could he could lay an egg in the NCAA tournament. He's still going to be a top three pick. So, and I think that goes for Jabari Smith also, and it goes for Chet Holmgren, these three players. So, I think, you know, we, we're going to really see the cream of the crop in terms of how these three how these three guys perform, you know, with, with, with all these lights on them. And I, I expect them – pretty much all to perform, especially uh, Chet Holmgren. I think, you know, he, like I said, he started off slow 
in you know in the beginning of the season uh he's he's a has a weird body type very you know very very skinny and tall um so he had to get used to the physicality of college basketball compared to high school i think over time he's done that and he's really just a unique kind of talent the numbers he he puts up you know he put up like a you know 17.12 rebounds six blocks type of game you know, and he can he can do a little of everything. So I think he's one of these guys that people are going to see. People, you know, he's going to open people's eyes about, you know, how how good and versatile he really is. You know, he can handle the ball at seven three. You know, it's it's ridiculous, um, and and dunk on you. He can shoot the three. You know, he's a obviously a tremendous shot blocker. I think Ben Carroll. We talked about him. He just needs to be more aggressive. I've heard people, you know, try to compare him to to Carmelo Anthony, and while his skill set might might lend to that he doesn't have that he doesn't have that dog in him that that Carmelo had from day one at Syracuse obviously he took Syracuse to the championship in in his in his freshman year I I don't really see Van Carroll doing that but he's still going to show you his his overall game like you know I was watching him during ACC tournament It, it seemed like he didn't really show up for I think it was the semifinal game but he still ended up with like you know 12 points eight rebounds eight assists so he can do a little of everything um, and I think he'll show that uh, Jabari Smith. I think he has he has the biggest opportunity to really shine to a point where he surprises people, um, because you know people really haven't watched Auburn to that extent. And this kid, I mean, he, you know, the size at six ten, and he's a pure pure shooter, um, and he really and he is aggressive. But I think it's more, for him, it's more about um, his teammates getting him the ball. He has a, he has a few guards on that team who who think that they are the stars. Um, so it's so a lot of times he doesn't get the touches that he should, but if, if Bruce Pearl can, can, uh, you know, make sure he has the ball in his hand, he's capable of going off for 30 in college games, which is very, you know, which is very rare as you guys know. Yep. Very rare to see that uh, in the college game for sure. I have uh-huh. a prospect question going the other way. Being that Memphis has been playing better since Amani Bates left Murph, does this hurt his draft stock? Yes or no? Oh, there's no question. His his stock has to had to have fallen. I mean, woo! It had because look, I mean, when he when he played when he was at Memphis, he he didn't look like he even, you know, he he might have shown flashes here and there, but he did not look like like he doesn't he didn't look anything close to a, like a all even league player in the AAC mm-hmm. he wasn't even he wasn't even a top 3 player on his team uh at the you know and he just looked he looked young and 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 you know skinny and just and, he, and out of out of sorts and then he leaves and the team wins i think the team is ranked second in the nation ever <laughs> in terms of like efficiency rating and all that ever since he left and the team went, and the team goes on this big run, and then uh, uh, Duran, the other the other freshman, has shined, uh, you know, much more. So uh, there's no question his stock is hurt. I'll be interesting to see what what his father and he decide to do in terms of, uh, what, you know, what they do next year. I think for his stock, I think he'd be smart to come back to Memphis. Uh, there'll be, you know, some guys will leave. There'll be more room, and it will show people, you know toughness and resolve to stay in the situation and get better and stronger. I still think he has potential to be very good, but if he leaves, that just adds to, you know, the, the, the kind of poor reputation he already had in terms of, you know, is he, you know, is he tough enough mentally? Is he, is he going to be a problem kid? Is he spoiled? 
you know, that type of thing. So I think the smart thing would be, you know, he sits out this year, comes back next year, stays with the team, tries to turn things around rather than just to up and run. I think that make him look bad. Hmm. Very, very, very interesting. Look, he came out a year early and he probably should have enough too much too soon. He's getting some, probably getting some bad advice in high school. The highlights had people thinking he was Kevin Durant 2.0, right? Again, too much too soon. Look, in this, Dex, in this climate, it's worse than it was even back yeah, then. Yeah, you, you, know, you know, but yeah, I know, I know it. But I also trust people like Murph and looking at these kids and how they're going to come and play in the the college game. I think you know we get a little too hype on it. It's something I always argue about with our friend Greg about with some of these kids. It's like, <laughs> yo, let's wait and see what they can do on the next level. And again, I'm saying this, not saying that. Imani Dates is done by any means. Right. I, I don't. No. I don't think he, so. I'm, I'm, I, I even. I'm, I'm I was like, for yo. I'm I was like, yo. This, a lot of talent. At one point, to me, up until Murph the Shet Holmgren game where he got outplayed, mm-hmm. I was like, this is probably the best prospect I've seen since RJ ish. Maybe you know, like RJ pre going to Duke. I'm talking about like. Team right. Canada, like international, like high school, I'm talking about, right? Zion, we really saw it in college. Because in high school, he was dunking on little white kids in South Carolina. It was like, all right, cool. Then in college, we were like, oh, oh, that's what that is. Right. So, but with Imani Bates, it was like that for me. Like, this was the best prospect that I saw in high school in at least in a couple of years. And then when I saw that he reclassed up to go to college a year sooner, I was like, oh, that's interesting. But he's in Memphis, Penny Hardaway. It makes a lot of sense. But man, I like... I still would take a shot at it, depending on the organization I am and if I trust my development. He can't even enter the draft this year, so that's the right, good thing. You, yeah, right. It's a good thing. So, because, like, I, but I don't think he should do the Brandon Jennings and go overseas. I don't no, think he should do that. No. Go back, especially with NIL now. Like, he's gonna he's gonna make bread. Like, I, go, I agree go, with you. Go and you don't want to be stronger. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be on the. I don't think he's. The, I mean, he's already shown to me that he. You don't. He doesn't want to be that kid in that island overseas where you're playing with grown men. I mean, that was his problem at Memphis. He was playing with bigger, grown kids, you know, or, you know, in some cases, men. The, the college game is older now. You got 25, 24-year-olds on college teams now, okay? So, and he really couldn't handle that physicality. And his game ha- has yet to translate. Uh, and I think partly it's his fault because he's he's going in there Still trying to play the same way as if he, he were, high school. As, yeah, mm-hmm. as if he's as if mm-hmm. he's by far the most talented guy on the court, and you're not. So and he and he hasn't shown an ability to just fit in at all. Like he's he's trying to go hard to the basket, hard, you know, pull up threes. Like when he gets the ball, it's always he always has to feel like he he feels like he has to score, and that's you know that's not how you need to play. You need to learn how to play the game, and I think you know Penny should be able to to teach him that, but it's hard to teach. And and win at the same time. Yeah, so we'll that's a, that 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 is a good point. All right, before we get out of here, we got to make our final four and national championship picks. I'm really intrigued to see what everybody else has picked. Brian, let's start with you first. Who who are your final four teams? Who do you got? I've been playing with this. It's tough, man. Like I've been playing with this. Um, I I do. Gonzaga was the only team that I feel very confident about. Because Same. I think, one, their bracket, their region is kind of weak compared to the others. I have a lot of confidence in their team. And, uh, you know, Julian Strother, you know what I'm saying? Another one that we, we get. Go. Look, we got Puerto Ricans in the NCAA tournament. We got we got in Gonzaga, in Illinois, Iowa State. You know what I mean? Like, all over the place. Even in the women's tournament, we have a couple as well. And shit, we have one on one of the best teams in the country also. So we're gonna, but we can get to that another time. 
Uh, Gonzaga was the only team I felt very confident about. Other than that, uh, in Baylor's region, I've really played with Baylor and Purdue because I don't really believe in Kentucky like that. I'm still struggling there. For now, uh-huh. I'm going to go with Baylor uh, because kind of like what Murph was saying about Purdue's defense, right? Even though I don't trust Baylor necessarily in that way, I also think that bracket, to Murph's point, could get very ugly because I think there's a world where Maybe Baylor loses too soon, and then you're talking about, like, UCLA versus somebody, like, in a later uh, Elite Eight stage or something like that. I still think Murray State could beat Kentucky. We'll see. Uh, And then in the Midwest, like, I'm just kind of conditioned. There are certain teams I'm just not really conditioned to trusting. Kansas is one of them, regardless of who's out there, right? You know, like, (laughs) you know, so I, I have, and I don't love this either. But, like, something about Auburn when I've watched them recently, like, I just don't – and these are college kids, so, you know, trusting them is hard from a night-to-night basis. Again, I trust Gonzaga more than anybody. So, in that section, I went with Wisconsin, which shocked the hell uh-huh. out of me. Huh. It shocked okay. the hell out of me when I did that. Okay. Um, okay. And then in the South region, it came down to Arizona versus Villanova for me, uh, even with Tennessee there. I think Tennessee is very good, but I trust Villanova having watched them, and I like what they did in the Big East tournament. I think they could win ugly, and I think that's a big thing in this tournament. So I went with Villanova, and then I went with Gonzaga beating Villanova in the national championship. Wow. Yeah. Okay. This is very interesting. Okay. Um, I- I'll share mine. Murph, we'll, we'll save you, you for last since you're the expert here. Uh, this is kind of weird because my bracket, at least in what I've played around in the variations of it, it's pretty much the same as Brian, which is crazy. <laughs> I mean, I talked to Brian about this. It's pretty much the same. All right, so Gonzaga, I'm with Brian on. Trust him more than anybody right now uh, in the tournament. Uh, I I struggled in the East, what I was going to do, for the same reasons as Brian. I'm going to come out and say, I do not trust Baylor. I am not buying into Baylor. I think they are primed for a second-round knockout to Marquette. Uh, I'm I'm going with that. I think they Marquette can knock them off. I, I do not like that there. So now it comes down to what Brian is talking about, which was tough for me. I really like Purdue offensively, like Murph said, but I don't trust their defense. I think Kentucky's a little bit more balanced than them. I actually picked Kentucky coming out of the East uh, over Marquette in the uh, Elite Eight. I don't. I think Marquette's going to make a good run here. I don't love Kentucky, but I'm I'm going with them. There's a lot of things I don't love in this. Just picking this. Uh, <laughs> I also like Brian picked Wisconsin. Okay, Ooh. coming out the Midwest. Um, do not trust Kansas. Kansas has let me down too many times in the past. I know it's a year to year thing, but they just I got PTSD with Kansas. They always they always screw me over. Um, yep. I think that I think that bracket is interesting though. The Midwest. I think there's some interesting teams. I'm also not in love with Auburn. Wisconsin plays tough. They play hard. I, I I could see that. I could see them in the Final Four. Wouldn't be crazy. I worry about them a little bit offensively, but all the time, Dex. <laughs> yeah, I, but but I could see they're they're scrappy, and I think they're going to make things tough for people. And there's always like a team like that that seems to make a run. And then lastly, what like like Brian said, I'm I'm with Nova, man. I'm with Nova coming out the South. I think they're the best team there. Um, I like how they played throughout, throughout the year. Uh, they have a great coach in Jay Wright, tournament tested. Uh, I like them. Would it shock me if Tennessee came out of this? 
Uh, Arizona, I just don't believe them. So, yeah, my final four is Gonzaga, Kentucky, Nova, Wisconsin. Like Brian, I also have Gonzaga and Nova in the championship game with, mm. Gonzaga, with Gonzaga winning. That's that's what I got. Gonzaga comes through. They get it done. All the pressure. Chet Holmgren looks nice. I actually, and I want to hear what Murph says about this, I actually think there's this world where Holmgren is even the more impressive player in this tournament than some of the other guys we talked about. But what scares me about that is, look, and I'll make sure all you guys are on the screen for this, Holmgren goes crazy to America's. White Americans are crazy <laughs> about this, man. They're like, we're back. New Larry Bird, we're back. It's going, they're going to go crazy. So I, I'm a little bit intrigued. But I like Holmgren's skill set. And Murph, I know you talked about how he's adjusted through the year. I actually like what he can bring in all seriousness. And I think he's adjusted. But I have this feeling he might step up here in, in the tournament. We'll, we'll, we'll see what he can do. And it could be huge for Gonzaga. So we'll see. I got Gonzaga with and, it all. And they're deep. Like, he doesn't need to go yeah. off for them to win. That's yeah, why got I, depth. I like that them also. Got depth. I He's like, not even I, their leading scorer. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I like how Gonzaga's recruited probably the last five years or so. And I think, you know, I'm not the biggest college basketball recruiting expert, but they've had some players coming in there where it's like, okay, they got some toughness now yeah. that's not your old school traditional Gonzaga team. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. yeah. All right, Murph, you're, you're last. Who's your final four? Who got winning it all? All right. And I'll start with the West. <clears throat> I like Gonzaga. Uh, like you guys, um, like like you said, I think they worry me a little bit. Like I said before, it wouldn't be surprised me if any of these these teams get you know, get upset in the second round. Even Gonzaga, because I, I think they were better last year. They were tougher. They were more they were more focused to me last year. They just ran into a buzzsaw in Baylor. Uh, this year, I've seen them you know almost get sometimes get bored, sometimes not really sh- show up like I like I think they sh- they should have. Uh, but hopefully they, you know, maybe they can put that away and and really uh, stay focused for this for the entire NCAA tournament. So I like them coming out of the West. I think their biggest challenger is probably Texas Tech, um, just because Texas Tech's so tough defensively. I think Texas Tech is not a team you that other you know anybody else in this region is going to want to run into because they're just so hard nosed and gritty, and they got a couple athletes on their team, and they've won some big games this year. So, but I'll take Gonzaga coming out the East. I like UCLA. Uh, UCLA basically huh. re- returns this the same team that got to the Final Four last year mm-hmm. out of the uh, and were they were in the playing game uh, to start last year. This year they get a four seed. Uh, they've been you know they were expected to be a top five team all season, but they they kind you know they took their lumps. Uh, Mick Cronin, not really known as a regular season coach, you know he, he's kind of like you know he brings his teams along and and they peak at the right time. I think that's that'll be the case this year. They really the only team they really struggled to beat all season was Arizona, but you know they had some they've had some big wins. Like you said, I don't trust Baylor. I think they you know if they meet Baylor in this in the Sweet Sixteen, I think they would beat Baylor. I think uh, Purdue could be an issue in that in that uh, region, but I yeah. you know but I think UCLA is the the most complete team, and if you know McCrona has you know they play defense. That's a defensive minded team, and they have they have. You know, I don't know if, if I if I want to say NBA like talent. I think they have borderline NBA guys, but they definitely have some of the best college players. Like they have two or three of the best college players in the game. Um, so you got to watch out for them. In the South, I got Arizona coming out. Um, I, you know, I I understand why people would would doubt Arizona, and I doubted them too for most of the season. But having watched them 
you know, multiple times after, you know, you know, I first started watching them. I was like, nah, I don't believe in these guys. Let's see. What... And then, you know, they just kept beating people. You know, they, I would pick against them. They, they, they kept beating people and then beating people by decent margins. Like they, they dominated. They, they weren't supposed to win the pack the Pac-12 this year. That was This was supposed to be UCLA's league. Arizona came out of nowhere and won it really from start to finish. They beat UCLA in the Pac-12 championship. So I think Arizona's, you know, they're, they've been tested all season. So I don't think, I really don't even see them struggling. A team like Villanova, I just don't think has enough talent-wise. Remember, Villanova, the difference between Villanova this year and in the past years is Villanova doesn't have a pro on their team this year. In the in past years, they at least had that one pro, two pros on the team, and I don't really see that this year. Uh, and then in the Midwest, which is the shakiest to me, I'm going to go with a team I just kind of shitted on earlier, but I'm going to go with Auburn because I just feel like <laughs> there's no doubt about Auburn's talent. They have a lot of talent. Uh, Bruce Pearl is kind of a, a tournament coach. Like he he's a guy, he always seems to – you know, have his team play above their heads come March, or at least come NCAA tournament time. Uh, he made the Final Four a few years ago when nobody expected them to. I think he has a team that you could kind of expect them to. And if, if he gets them to play any any bit over their heads, watch out. Um, if he gets them back to how they're playing in the middle of the season, which I think is possible. I You know, I do like you got your West, Wisconsin pick. Um, they're very capable. Wisconsin's capable of beating anybody. Yeah. The only problem is that they have also lost to, you know, some subpar teams here and yep. there. So I'm yeah. a little worried about them. They have a, they have a true pro on their team. Johnny Davis. He's the real yes. deal. Yep. He's the real deal. You, you'll see him in the NBA next year. No question. Another NBA player in that region is, is plays for Iowa. Iowa could be a sleeper that they got Keegan Murray. He's an NBA player that yeah. you'll see next year. Um, so watch out for those two also. But Arizona, let me go back to Arizona for a second. They got uh, Benedict Matherin. He's a pro. He's somebody to watch just to go back mm-hmm. to the prospect thing. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to take Auburn out of the Midwest. So I got Gonzaga, UCLA, Arizona, Auburn. I got, I'll got i take Gonzaga to beat UCLA like they did earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will take Arizona to beat Auburn. And I got Gonzaga, all West Coast. You know, I'm an East Coast dude. I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I got an all West Coast final. Gonzaga, Arizona, and Arizona's coach was was a assistant coach uh, uh, at Gonzaga last year. They're like best of friends, so that'll be the that'll be the uh, you know story the headline storyline. Yeah. We want Go stories in March. Yeah, that, that, that's the story. They're like best friends, and he just left Gonzaga to take over the Arizona program and in his first year. Now imagine um, I got Gonzaga winning the whole thing, but imagine the Mark assistant. Few lets his assistant. Go to Arizona and win a championship before he does. That'd be oh, terrible. Man. I mean, feel bad to beat him. <laughs> I mean, can you can you even have a congratulatory drink with your boy after that? I, I feel like no, so. I wouldn't do it. I'd be salty, man. I'd really yeah. How could you not be salty? I'd be salty. Human nature, that'd be saucy. I don't know. Yeah, I might not talk to you for a couple of days, and I'm pre- I'm a pretty nice yeah. person. All right, so that's your everybody has Gonzaga winning though. We all pick Gonzaga to win. Yeah, so it's not going to happen, but you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's probably, it's probably, it's probably it's not. Come on, it's, Julian. It's probably not going to happen. But Bring I don't, shit home. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully for Gonzaga, they they can get over it. Uh, I'm shockingly nobody on this podcast picked Duke. Shockingly, yeah. Uh, I thought thought that might happen, but it did I'm not toying happen. with them having a second round. Ex- I could see it, man. And I, I, Murph, I have to say, I love the point you made about how the pressure. Because I brought, I thought about the pressure. We weren't even supposed to have that question. 
But I thought about the pressure comment, and then you talked about how it's been building for them and building all year around Coach K. So it's only going to get hotter. I t- completely agree with you on that. And I'm not sure you're right. They don't have a guy, as Brian would say, that really has that, that fuck you uh, there on that team to go get this done. They don't really have that kind of guy. So we'll, and they don't, we'll see. And even, you know, that's straight basketball-wise. They don't. Even they don't have out uh, consistent outside shooting. shooting. They don't have consistent a consistent three point shooter. And you know nowadays, how do you win without that? Not, you know, not, that, not that's a, that's what hurt their more talented, their better overall team a couple team. years ago with yep. R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish yep. and that was, Zion. That and this is not as good of a team. team. So, not right. as good as it. Not as good as the team. I guess the last thing is, do you think this will be a crazy tournament? Are we seeing a lot of upsets? People say they want this. <laughs> People always say, oh, I want the upsets. I want the crazy stuff on day one, day two. Do you think this is going to be a crazy tournament, at least even in the beginning? I do. I do. I, I, really, I don't even see how it can't be yeah. because just, you know, just watching this season, even at the top, like you had, there hasn't been a front runner. Even Gonzaga, you know, we might think they're the most talented, that they're the best team, but they haven't, not every, you know, during the season, no one was saying, oh, they're the by far the best team in the country. That's not what people were saying, because there have been about eight teams <laughs> that, that you could that you could put, you know, in that category. And then, you know, there's not really much of a gap below that. And, it, let's, you know, I pretty much went chalk. I got a one, a four, a one and a two seed making the, the final four. I have very few upsets in the first round. So that means it's going to happen. Okay, the, <laughs> the year because I just don't know. I don't know who to pick. I don't know who the ups, where it's coming from, but it's coming. It's yeah, coming. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully that. it's not Chattanooga versus Illinois. I don't want to see that. <laughs> Loyola, though. Loyola. That's, that's too predictable. So maybe it won't happen. Loyola, take do do what you should do against Ohio State. That's, there you that's go. what I want to see. There, there you go. All right, y'all. Well, well, listen. Well, don't listen to my picks of Brian. Listen to the black know. And hope you know what I'm hoping for. You know what I'm hoping for, Murph? I'm hoping you see how Brian's got his little Puerto Rican play. Not little Puerto Rican. I'm not saying that they're short, yeah, yeah, yeah. but he's got the Puerto Rican folks <laughs> across <laughs> the country in yeah. different teams he's rooting for. Black America, we need another team that we can root for. We need another Georgetown. We need another team we can get behind, like Michigan in the Fab Five. We need this again. We yeah. need this again. We need we need this. I mean, look, Memphis before. had a shot, right? Memphis yeah. had a shot. And yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, Memphis, Patrick Memphis. Ewing just gotta rebuild that program, baby. But look, and, and and on that note, I will plug there I do have something coming to Latino Rebels. Uh you could call it Latino madness, if you will, but this is something about like some of the players <laughs> worth following from like different Latin American, you know what uh, I'm saying? And, and, like, and you gotta, gotta show some had, love, you know. Illinois has what three Puerto Ricans on the team? I'm pretty sure. Four, four, four. Wow. four. So uh, it's, just, it's it's just gonna be just notes on like, hey, you should follow this person. Here's why, you know, whatever, whatever. Latino. Illinois has four. Three of them play consistently. They have Trent Fraser, Alfonso Plummer, Andre Carbello, and R.J. Melendez, who doesn't play that much yet. But he's a freshman. So mm-hmm. Latino madness sounds like a uh, username that Brian would create for some. <laughs> Kind of social. It sounds media. like it sounds like, like a, it sounds like a hot sauce or something. Man. No, <laughs> good, 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 good teams got it. I keep saying Julius Trump. Tennessee got two. Tennessee got Puerto Ricans. The Kaisers. Here we go. And then they now, got they got. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know Ziggler was was Puerto Rican. I didn't he's know half. That. Yeah, he's yeah, black and Puerto Rican. You know, what I'm saying right. black dad, right. Puerto Rican mom. That's how it be. You know, what I'm that's, saying that's he's new, from Long Island heights. too. That's from Long Island too. New Heights. New Heights. Yeah, and 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 they got the dude from Uruguay. I forget Santiago. I forget his last name, but like, yeah, yeah he no, he's what? killing in the. SEC. And Tennessee, Tennessee is a team to watch too. Yes, uh, yeah. Like I said they got Ziegler, but they also got 
you know, I, I'm blanking on his I, name, but the other the other freshman guard they have will be in the he'll probably be in the NBA next ooh, year also. Yeah. I've um, I've got Tennessee I've got Tennessee in the Elite Eight, so yeah, yeah. I think I think they're I think they're a team to watch too. All right, I, I will also note we yes. are not doing a one time for your mind today, as you can see, we're at the 70th minute. I will say though, right before we started, um, Scott Hall passed away. And just wanted to like just mention that so that we don't totally ignore it. Obviously, you know I'm a big wrestling fan here. Dexter, that was when y'all were watching wrestling. Also, you and Murph, this was in the 1990s. Scott Hall was a big fucking star. He was Razor Ramon uh, in WWF from 92 to 96. Then moved on uh, to WCW, helped form the NWO with Scott Hall, with Kevin Nash, with Hulk Hogan, and then shit, half of WCW after that. But yo, uh, just wanted to pay some respects because that dude was awesome. He was one of the best to ever do it, one of the best to never win a world title. Former world champion in Puerto Rico, just to bring it back there, in there the World Wrestling go. Council, Universal Heavyweight Champion, Scott Hall, salute. Um, you know, that motherfucker had a, had a life and a half. Uh, two-time WWE Hall of Famer. Uh, had a great speech. I posted a clip from that on Twitter uh, earlier because it was it was awesome just how he sort of ended it. And if you watch wrestling in the 1990s, I tweeted this, I'm going to say it here. If you watch wrestling in the 1990s and thought it was cool, he's partially to thank for that because he helped make wrestling cool when before it was about cartoonish characters and larger than life personalities. And he just came into WCW, him and Kevin Nash and was like, nah, you know, like this is what it is. And it made it made liking the bad guys cool, which wasn't really a thing before the NWO. So salute to Scott Hall, Razor Ramon. A fucking legend. So cool that the Latinos, we thought he was a Latino because he was playing the Cuban character in the WWF, Razor Ramon. And then you find out he's not a Latino and it's kind of like whatever. You know what which I mean? Pro- which uh, is problem? Yeah. Which is problem? Still kind of claim him. It feels you problematic, still, but I understand why you he claim got him. away with it, and we're kind of like, away, you, know, he got away with, you know, he got away with it because I thought he was Latino too, and everybody I know is trying to do the raisin's edge. You remember that, Murph? Everybody's trying to do the raisin's <laughs> yeah, edge. Yeah, look, people had toothpicks. People had toothpicks in high school. You saw a toothpick in somebody's mouth. It might have been that razor mo influence. So you know, look, man, you gotta honor yeah. them legends. Got, you know gotta gotta honor so. the legends. Uh, salute to Razor Ramon. And I do. I actually we didn't do it one time for your mind, but I do want to say one thing that's been going on around basketball outside of March Madness. And it's a different kind of madness, okay, it's going on. Listen, look, we got to stop. We got to stop the Kyrie <laughs> okay, and the Nets. We got to stop, all right? We don't have to do this. Like, I understand that the vaccine mandate, indoor policy businesses, it doesn't make sense the way it is in New York. I understand all that. But this is not a civil rights issue. Kyrie, Kyrie Irving... Is not being denied some right to do what he wants to do with love. And what makes me mad is people like, oh, well, he can't do it because of his mandate. He's got a choice. He could go and get a jab and he could end this if he wants to play. Okay. I don't think it's changing anytime soon. I'm not saying the mandate as it is doesn't make sense. Two things can be true, folks. The mandate cannot make sense, but there's also an option for Kyrie to end this and he could just go get the jab, but he refused to do not. I have no sympathy. Stop making this a civil rights issue. Stop with the free Kyrie. Stop with the hashtag free Kyrie. It makes no sense. We got to stop saying free free a lot of people who don't even want to be free. Yeah, yeah. How about free yourself and care about public health and get the jab? How about that? Yeah. That might make sense. I didn't like the way uh, Kevin Durant came at uh, uh, the Mayor Adams, you know, calling him, yeah. you know, calling him by his first name. It was very, very disrespectful to me. And, I'm, and it just makes me think, like, I, I don't think he did it on 
with that in mind, but it's like, would, would you treat a white mayor like that? You know what I mean? So it's just like, I don't, it kind of feeds into all these people who want to, who want to, you know, smash uh, Eric Adams because he's black, who just simply don't like a black mayor. It feeds into that kind of thing, mm. which is, which is definitely out there. And I'm, I'm happy that Kevin Durant came out kind of with an apology uh, statement today. So I, I appreciate that because, you know, g- give the man his respect. Also, it's not solely his decision. First of all, first of all, he inherited the law. Okay. Right. So it's something, right. it's really something that he ha- he has to overturn. And right. I'm not sure he has the, it's not even just him. It's the governor who has, has to, who has more, who has correct. You know, ultimate authority, you know, on, on any kind of health related issue in the city. I understand the city has its own jurisdiction. I, I got into it with, with some Nets fan on Twitter today about it. That's why yeah, I, I, I didn't top my head. But you know, it's that he doesn't. You know, it's it's he he is not the ultimate authority on New York. Okay, so it's kind of like you got the, all these people piling on the black mayor. Okay, mm. and I didn't like the way uh, Kevin Durant kind of kind of like you know encouraged that. You know, even even by even if it wasn't on purpose. Yeah, and I one one other thing, and the reason I felt like we needed to talk about it on this platform. The other thing too is like that's been annoying me is that. Again, like I said, this is not a civil rights issue that people are making it out to be, which is absolutely ridiculous. But the other thing about it, too, and I'm glad you brought up about uh, Mayor Adams uh, obviously being black, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving also being black. This is a disease in COVID that has hurt the black community in large numbers. Right. And I think that's what annoys me the most with around Kyrie, no matter how you feel about it. And for the people that are advocating, talking about free Kyrie. Hey. You you care? Do you care about these other black lives that have been dying for it, and the people that either have been vaccinated or not been vaccinated? And it's not. This is not about basketball. Some of this stuff is to protect workers in different private sectors that work, and so it just happens to overlap in basketball. And it doesn't make sense with all the spectator stuff. We we went through all that. Yeah. But you can't expect Adams or the governor to just drop it and act like there aren't other businesses that are affected by this that still need to have these mandates. That work for them. You know what? I love the NBA, but on this, on this, when it comes to public health, forget basketball. Who, who cares about all who this cares, now? Yeah. Y'all, y'all, what what it comes across is the the people whose Murph you probably arguing with on Twitter are selfish fans of a particular team that just want something to go their way, and it tells yep. me they they too do not care about public health, and that's what's disappointing to me when I see the free Kyrie stuff and all this other stuff. Kyrie has a choice, man. Like I said, this is mm-hmm. not yeah. this is not like he's being held to do something against his own will. What it comes down to with these mandates, it's a lot of it is the mandates and stuff have been reasonable. Regardless of the fact this doesn't make sense in the NBA arena, the role players coming, the mandates have been reasonable. What yeah. it comes down for y'all that are really mad is you're selfish, so you want to see this guy play. And two, you know what? You just didn't want somebody else to tell you what to do. That's what yeah. it comes down to. You're just and mad that, about somebody telling you what to do. And, and, that maybe, fans, and maybe that you fans and yeah, maybe and no matter who's telling you what to do. Yeah, right. and that's just true. somebody is. If and that fans, is. y'all got to keep it real because you know if Kyrie Irving was a Nick, y'all wouldn't give a fuck if he played again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, they, they, that's they, the they other wouldn't. thing. Like, y'all only care but because you, he's I, on your team. But you know what? You know, and just, we got to get out of this. You know what makes him more mad? If he was a Nick, they might have changed that law again because they'd actually care about that. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for this episode. <laughs> 216 of the A Hard to Tell podcast. That'll make a man. Thank you to our guest, uh, Jamal Murphy. Murph, thanks for joining us, man. We talked a lot of college basketball. We're excited about the tournament, and I'm sure we're going to talk to you more uh, throughout it. For Brian Fonseca and Jamal Murphy, I'm Dexter Henry. Until next time, y'all. Peace.